Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith. Yellow. The Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Dave, IFI is engaged in an effort to rescue children from government schools here in Illinois. Different ways to do that through home education, micro-church schools, and through large church-run or affiliated schools and other ways. Right. But we're applauding a pastor who has a big vision for kids. We're giving them a standing ovation is what we're doing. That's right. Not just applauding. We're standing uh, with an ovation. (laughs) And uh, he has a big vision for kids. Yes. And through the Lord's leading, he's turning that vision into reality. Pastor Randy Bland leads Families of Faith Church in Shanahan and Families of Faith Christian Academy. Pastor, welcome. Which came first, the church or the academy? Actually, the church did. Uh, Guys, I want to thank you for inviting me to be here today, and I just want to tell everybody that's listening how much I appreciate Illinois Family Institute. I think it's been amazing for me, and I know you're a blessing to a lot of people. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, I started at this church in 2000, December 3rd of 2000, and immediately God gave us a vision, you know, because of uh, Hillary Clinton above, you know, imagine that. Right. What did of she all say? People, what did she do? In, in 2002, this whole um, Leave No Child Behind Act that, right. that she was pushing uh, created what we come to know and understand as the core or common core curriculum. Yep. And uh, by 2005, this was mandated, you know, all across the country that, that schools were going to be using this. It wasn't law yet. It wasn't law until 2010. Uh, when Obama made it law, but in 2005, we had already begun to see the influence that it was having on the family. It was literally taking families away from the kitchen table. In other words, when a a dad tried to sit down and do math with his son and had no idea what this was all about, rather than just saying, I have no idea what this is all about, you know, he just kind of pushed himself away from the table and, and said, let your mom do this. And, <laughs> you know, mom really didn't have a, a clue how to do it either. And so that was kind of the beginning of parents being taken out of, Alienated. you know, the educational. Leave it to the experts, Absolutely. quote unquote, right? and, that's, and that's really what it came down to. And so we saw a need in our community that we felt that we can do something about. And so in 2005, we started the, the, the Families of Faith Christian Academy in an old, uh, dilapidated building, um, you would be surprised how many of these suburbanites, though, felt that their children's education was important enough that the facilities really didn't matter. And Praise so we God. kind of, we kind of birthed our school at that point. It in Shanahan, us, in Shanahan, which is a suburb of Joliet, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So right out there, uh, in the, the middle of the state, north part of the state. Yeah. Right off right. eighty. Right, right off, off 80. eighty and fifty-five. Good. Yeah, ideal location. I went to your church's website, and I clicked the information about Families of Faith Academy, and if the website's up to date, 260 students, 26 teachers, significant growth from last year. What were the numbers last year, and why is the academy growing? 
Well, I think those are, are not accurate numbers today. We have we have 42 employees, and we have about 345 students. Excellent. And um, that's growing considerably. In fact, come January, we have a whole new wave of students that are coming in no to begin the second semester. Just because, you know, the, the, the parents are realizing how important it is you know, to correct some of the problems that, that are occurring right now in their children's education. In other words, for the first time since the pandemic hit, parents are realizing there is a real problem, and it's not critical race theory, it's not the sex ed, it's not the, the gender-neutral bathrooms, it's the fact that there are significant gaps in their children's education. If you can think about pre-COVID, uh, a kindergartner, for example, who never finished kindergarten. In other words, the last quarter of kindergarten, uh, everybody was sent home. And during that time, they were supposed to have some sort of hybrid learning that nobody knew anything about. And so that didn't really occur. And then their first grade experience was all e-learning, which I think the numbers are somewhere around 60 to 65% of the students could not connect consistently you know, to uh, the e-learning. And so many of them, once they connected, they were either bumped off or, you know, they lost connection and they had to restart. And so uh, they, they went through their entire first grade experience. So we got second graders now that have come to our school, for example, from the public school this year that experienced all of that. Well, what we discovered was those second graders couldn't read or write. Mm. Many of them didn't know how to hold a pencil, mm. you know, because that's a fine motor skill that yeah. you would learn in class, sure. in a classroom, not through e-learning or some sort of hybrid learning. Well, it wasn't just second grade. It's every class, you know, that, that you look at, there was these gaps. And so we actually have created an assessment piece that we're using to try to kind of expose that. Well, parents are starting to realize something's wrong. You know, our kids you know, aren't where they need to be. And of course, our governor, you know, passed this policy, which they call a no-fail policy. So these students can't fail no matter what. And so <laughs> we have a third grade teacher in our church <laughs> that teaches in the Plainfield School District. And, you know, she's telling us that she's teaching her third graders kindergarten material right now. And so if you can imagine, no matter what happens, Wait that a third grade. You said third grade students are being taught Kindergarten material. Kindergarten material. In an effort in the to plane. try to get them up to speed. Well, they're they're not able to learn at that third grade level right now. Right. And so you've so, got to start remedial. Well, what happens is yeah. no matter what, that student is going into fourth grade next year no matter what. So even if they're able to get them up to mid-first grade, early second grade, they're still going into fourth grade next year. Wow. And so the, those gaps are going to continue to increase. And if you look at some of the foundational you know, classes that you need to take in order to take this next step in your educational process, those gaps are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as you go. Oh, yeah, right. And so we actually are creating, you know, a system where, where students are going to be able to go to school in June, and they're going to have to go an entire year. So they'll go all the way through the summer, all the way through a regular school year and the next summer in order to fill these gaps because there's no other way to fix this problem. Right. You can't just say oh, well, don't worry about it. We're just going to skip this and move on. Right. You know, you can't leave those those gaps in a, in a child's education. So it's a year-long academic year, right? It's going to have to be. It's going to have to be so they yeah. can get up to speed. So, so How are parents reacting to that? I mean, this is, this you, is you have to really doing, be yeah. committed. Well, the parents that, that yeah. we've met with in some of these, these town hall meetings that we're having, you know, to start these new schools, uh, they're weeping. 
You know, they had no idea. You know, when their kid comes home and you ask them, how was school today? It was great. You know, they didn't get any failing marks. They, they didn't have any problems, you know, being bullied or anything else. You know, the mask policy may have upset a couple of them, but overall, it was a good day at school. So parents just kind of are dismissive, and they move on to the next subject. You got homework to do. We got, you know, dinner to, to fix tonight, get your room cleaned up, and, you know, the end of the conversation. Because remember, 2002 and, and following, the parents started moving away from the table, and they left education up to the experts. Interesting. Well, and they're still doing it today. They've been conditioned to do that, right. you know, for several years now. And so parents have kind of just dropped off, you know, the radar. And now they're starting to realize the experts have seriously failed their kids. You know, and as a result, these kids have huge gaps. You know, and I'm not suggesting all of them do. There's some, there's some bright students out there that are going to succeed, you know, no matter who's teaching them. You know, I mean, God's really gifted some of Amen. these kids. But the majority of them, I mean, if they got mom and dad both working and they don't have that structure at home, Imagine those students. So know? the majority of parents that are seeking out your school uh, are, are alarmed by the failure of the school administration to teach their kids. They're failing, right? Well, I think they're alarmed by not so much the school. They're alarmed by the reality yeah. that their kids are in serious trouble. Yeah. And you can, you, can, you can highlight all the mistakes you want. It sure. doesn't change this reality. Because it's not just this reality, it's the reality that they're not going to do anything about it. There's no mechanism in place for the public school to fix this. Our governor also had a, a, an amazing law passed, you know, through our Congress that says, you know, we're going to take the 2019 enrollment numbers and we're going to lock that budget in based on those numbers all the way through 2023. So there's no incentive, <laughs> you know, and most, most politicians that I've talked to suggest that that's probably going to be extended through 2025. So, but regardless, all the way through 2023, they're not worried about who's in school and who's not in school because their budget's not being driven by enrollment that's right so now. That's so interesting. I did not know that. Pastor, sure. that's, so, so they don't care that so many kids are exiting the public schools not at, at this point. Not at all. But here's, here's a key fact that a lot of people you know, are overlooking. And that is that a good majority of the public school teachers are boomers. And they're all at the point where they're about to retire. Yeah. And yep. so they got short timers. Yep. I mean, they're looking at this like, I just need to get through this. So I can get a pension. You know, I need my pension. Retire. It's already set. I've got three years left. I got five years left, whatever yep. it is. They're just trying to, to bide their time and get through this, not because they're bad people, but they're looking at a system that they, they know is broken. Right. They're looking at this, and they realize there's no fixing this. And they're doing the best they can. They are. And, yeah. and so you got some really, really good public school teachers Absolutely. That, that feel betrayed you know, by their, their own system. They feel like they've invested their entire lives in something you know, that, that is just crumbling around them right now. And, and it's, it's horrible to think you know, that you've invested your life in something that is just in a shambles right now. And so... My heart hurts for those. But at the same time, I recognize there's a problem in these students' lives that nobody's talking about. You know, nobody's, nobody's got a plan to fix that. And I think that God's given us the wisdom to say, we've got to do something about this. Well, you have a plan to fix this. I do. We want to talk about that. We're going to take a time out and continue our conversation with Pastor Randy Bland from Families of Faith Church and Families of Faith Christian Academy. We're going to do that right after this.
Who's responsible for our kids' social media? For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. According to social psychologist Jonathan Haidt, social media platforms should be held accountable for the damage they cause teenage girls, and he offers many reasons why. In one study, young women were told to use either Instagram, Facebook, or play a simple video game. After just seven minutes of scrolling, the Instagram users in particular showed decreased body satisfaction and a negative emotional state. This isn't because of how much time they spent on the site, but because of its design. By focusing on body image, it creates a trap that young people can't escape. Instagram, he writes, looms in a girl's mind even when the app is not open, driving hours of obsessive thought, worry, and shame. Even worse, Haight argues, the big tech execs have known about this effect for years, but haven't done anything to stop it. So they should be held accountable. He's right, but don't forget it starts with parents. We shouldn't just look to the state to do what God has tasked parents with first, to fight for the hearts and minds of our kids. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Our guest is Pastor Randy Bland, who leads Families of Faith Church and Families of Faith uh, Christian Academy in Shanahan. He is leading an effort to create, what, 100 Families of Faith schools here in Illinois. Make no small plans, Pastor. (laughs) No small plans. 100 schools. I love it. Well, a hundred or more. A hundred or more. Yeah. All right. Don't put a cap on it, right. Dave. <laughs> right. So so when you're doing this, as you're getting this vision, and as a pastor, it's got to occur to you that discipleship, there is a mission field here that is just so ripe for Christian education, making disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. So what what does the opportunity look like to you, and how, how does that motivate your whole vision here? Well, when we started our school in 2005, we told our parents then, we still tell our parents 16 years later the same thing. We didn't start this school to educate your children. We started this school to build families of faith. And so education <laughs> education is secondary to us. Now, they get a, they get a premium education, don't get me wrong. We've sure. got kids that have graduated and become doctors and so on and just... Great, great citizens. I noticed she didn't say lawyers. She wanted to leave them out. <laughs> well, we got, we got some that, that, that are. Um, but the point is, our primary focus, you know, is discipleship. It is building Amen. families and faith, and that's where our name came from. Amen. We had, let me just give you a quick a quick number. We had 42 high school students so far this year that have prayed to receive Christ. We baptized 21 of them during a parent-teacher conference, and the parents were overwhelmed. You know, obviously we got permission from the parents, sure. but they were overwhelmed. And I'm talking about people that are not necessarily people of faith, but they love what faith is doing for their children. They, they see love the, the, the fruit. They do, and they love that. That is fantastic. So, so w- tell me the name, the acronym of your group, GRACE. What does it stand for? GRACE is the association of schools that we started back in, in March and the word grace stands for gracefully reclaiming a conservative education, and uh, which is what's been missing in our country for a long time. Back in 1962, when they took prayer out of school, Amen. 1963, they took Bible reading out of school. Yep. Every moral indicator from that point forward, it, you know, skyrocketed. That's if right. If you do any research at all, you can see, you know, just prior to 1962, the divorce rate was kind of just, you know, stagnant. The teenage pregnancies were, were very low. Violent crimes gee, were very Gee, low. I wonder why George Barna says that uh, Christians o- o- in the pews today, only 6% of them have a Christian worldview. That's because we're not reading our Bible. Right. 
We don't know what the Word of God says, right? right? And so this is so important, a Christian education, a conservative education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pastor, it occurs to me that you're going to become a model. You know, there's other pastors in the city of Chicago, for example, who said, we want to start an association of schools. And they could look to you and say, what is Pastor Randy doing? What is he doing out there that w- the best practices, and how could we bring them into the city here? Or maybe right. they could join up with you. Or maybe they can join up. That's right. Be or, one of those 100 schools. Yeah. Or actually they can start another association, right. which I would fuel. I would do everything I could you know, to help them do that. Because one of the things I did before I came to this church was, was train church planters. Okay. And um, my wife and I helped start 18 churches. And Beautiful. that's what I was doing wow. before I came here was, was a church planter. And so we helped a lot of church planters, you know, develop and, and develop their strategies. The Bible tells us where there is no vision, people die. That's right. You know, where there is no revelation, they cast off restraint. Yep. And so we see a world, you know, that lacks restraint right now. Oh, yeah, now. you and do. We, we see a world that has no vision. And when you see the number of students that are killing themselves right now, oh. and we just had a, a 12-year-old student in our school that committed suicide this week, and uh, we're doing his funeral tomorrow. You know, it's it's a horrible tragedy when you see these kids that, that have no vision and, and our adults aren't casting any. They're right. not showing them a pathway to success. So all of these churches, you know, that are out there, I, you know, I beg them all to get involved in this. Yeah. You know, this isn't just we're going out and starting schools. This is a way to begin to reclaim hell, hell territory that has been handed over. It hasn't been taken from us. We've handed it over. That's right. You know, when the government government said, listen, everybody go home and and isolate yourself, and we'll tell you when you can come back out. Right. The churches folded their hands and went home. Right. And they, many of them have not come back out. Nope. You know, and we have lost thousands of churches all across the United States that are never going to open again. That's sad. But, you know, you touched on something there about parents, um, and it sounds like with the name, Families of Faith right? You're encouraging the parents to get involved in the discipleship right. of their kids. Because if that's not happening, um, you know, the, the the supplements that you're offering at the school are, are just supplements. It's not the three squares at home they're supposed to be getting. What are you doing to encourage parents, grandparents even? Well, when we started our school, you know, we made it clear to the parents then, and 16 years later, we continue to make it clear to them that Education is not our primary purpose, that right. building families of faith is. And uh, education is certainly something that, that the children are going to benefit from greatly. It's, it's superior to anything you're going to find in public school. However, faith is the most important thing Amen. to us. And even people who have no faith are very, very pleased with that outcome. When they see the, the, the difference that faith is making in their students' lives, because they're you know, healthy they're, they're, members right. of society, they're productive members right. of society. They can see that. Right. And they're, they're the fruits are there. Absolutely. Right. All right. So what's the cost of all this? You know, wh- how are you doing this? You, you said you planted 18 churches. So you've got some experience mm-hmm. doing these kind of things. But there's got to be resources. There's got to be people who step up. You've got to hire staff. Right. you got to find buildings. <laughs> how can the people listening to this podcast Come alongside you. All guys. right, so you got five questions right there. Bam! Yeah. Throw it. <laughs> well, I, I think that that anybody that would be interested in, in making donations to Grace, we would obviously accept that. You can go on our website and find us at graceassociation.org. But I, I think that that there are people that can sponsor a school. 
I mean, there are people that have those kind of resources that say, listen, we want a new school in Burr Ridge. We'll sponsor that school for the first year. Uh, most of it, though, is, is tuition-driven, and I think that we're going to be able to start the majority of these churches for an average of around $6,800 per student. Okay. Um, and some of that's going to be less in some communities, more in another, just depending on where it's at. And, um, and, and I think that's, that's the biggest way. We started our school... Uh, we had a consultant come in all the way back in, in 2005 that suggested we borrow $250,000 to start our school. Our church approved that. I went home that night and really just did not feel like that's what the Lord wanted us to do. So I called a special called business meeting and said, listen, let's not do that. Give me $5,000 and we'll start the school. And um, the church voted to do that. Well, we lost our consultant because $90,000, that was going to be his salary. <laughs> And um, so we started our school for $5,000. Our school's never been in debt. We've never borrowed money. Oh, praise God. Uh, we moved out of our old building into a $12 million facility that we've built. Um, we have 26 acres. We have two gymnasiums, four baseball fields, a football field. I mean, it's, it's, it's been really impressive to see what God can do. Make no small plans. I so, said it before. <laughs> but wait a second. You started a school on $5,000. Mm-hmm. So I got to think. There are pastors out there who are saying, oh, that's going to take a lot of money to start a, a Christian school here at my church. Right. You're saying, no, it doesn't take a lot of money. No, I was in Wooddale, Illinois, last night, um, and I, I was at a church. I can't think of the name of the church right now, but the pastor is, is, is Pastor Brian, and we're starting a school in his church, and I think he spent 1800 bucks, you know, so far. Um, they already have the building. There's no permits required because every church has a special use permit. They already have some sort of religious education going on probably already, which means that they already have furniture. They already have classroom space. And so it's just a matter of maybe setting up a website and you know putting some advertisement out there. But in this, this culture and this climate, you don't need much more advertisement than a Facebook post that we're starting a school over right, here. Right. Well, let me so. ask you about that. Now, you told me about uh, we were had a conversation over the phone that you had a meeting in Schaumburg, I believe, mm-hmm. and one in Romeoville, mm-hmm. where you're planning to plant uh, families of faith schools, right. <laughs> and the turnout was tremendous. It was. But you even got a lot of school teachers at that event in Schaumburg. Tell us about that. Well, the um, the Romeoville school is the one you're, you're probably referring to, and we had we put a, face, a Facebook post out. We talked about our interest in starting a school in Romeoville. Uh, we met with the pastor of this church. We we negotiated, you know, a contract with them to to let us have their facilities, and. Um, the first night, we had 300 families show up, you know, and um, we, in this, you're talking about, you're talking about in, in, you know, late October, and so you're not talking about schools. Uh, the, schools the already semesters started. already started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're not coming this year. These are people that are committed to coming next fall. Yeah. And so imagine getting into April, May, June, you know, when people are realizing their kids are in trouble. We're not doing this. We're not going to have enough buildings. We're not going to have enough space. And so I really am praying that God will raise up more pastors, raise Amen. up more people, raise up investors, raise up people that you know will sponsor a school, because this is not going to happen unless we all do it. All right, pastors and church leaders, you're hearing this directly from, from Pastor Bland. And if you want to know more information about how you can do this in your church, contact him. 
at graceassociation.org. Graceassociation.org. Or give us a call at IFI at 708-781-9328. And we can put you in touch with Pastor Cesar LaFleur, who is also trying to get these kind of things accomplished throughout the state of Illinois. Let me circle back real quick to this tuition. Because mm-hmm. 6800 is a little steep. And for somebody with eight kids, that's like, wow! <laughs> you know, I'm sh- you probably give discounts for larger families. I'd say our school's probably given a, this year... We've given away about $700,000 worth of tuition. Wow. And so um, we're, we're not interested, you know, in um, the, the, the bottom line. So that's we're important to hear. That's important. It, it is. I think parents need to realize that what we need is partners. We need a bartering system that, that still works. You know, and so you may not be able to, to, to give cash, but you can give labor. We've yep. got parents that are teaching in our schools that have an associate's or a bachelor's and sure. working towards an, or a, an associate's working towards a bachelor's, and they, they want to be involved in this. You know, we, we were in this meeting last night. You can at, sell at hot Woodvale. dogs too, right, in yeah. the, at the vending machine, right, or whatever. You can clean. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can make repairs. There's a lot of different ways, you know, to offset that. But we were in this meeting last night in Wooddale, and th- th- this, this church was packed full of families that want to see a new school there. And they asked, you know, what can we do? I said, well, the first thing you've got to be able to do is recognize you can't depend on the government to fix this problem. Amen to that. And so this has to be your problem to fix. You know, you can't look at me and and think that I'm going to wave a magic wand and do this myself. I need every able person Amen. to get on board with this and to help with this. And if you'll if you'll commit to being a part of the solution, you know, I think we can we can fix this. But it's not going to happen if you're going to wait for the government to do it. One of the other solutions, though, too, going back to the tuition is, um, Lori Higgins has said this, I've said this, that our churches really should have a missionary budget for scholarships right. so that they can enable, especially the single mom, right, right. Uh, with a scholarship to be able to get into Families of Faith Academy and, or, or other Christian schools. Um what do you, what's your thoughts of that? I mean, uh, not every single church in the neighborhood in Shanahan or in Joliet is going to have a school, but right. they could have a, a scholarship to help send some of their kids to your school. Well, I think there's a lot of a lot of philanthropists out there. There's a lot of business owners out there that have a passion Amen. for this. Yep. And one of the things that Grace is going to do is as they start these schools, some of them are going to be in very affluent areas that doesn't need the scholarship funds. Um, I mean, I've been in some areas where the, the local tuition for the private schools are in the upper 17000 18000 right. right. a year per student. Absolutely. And so those parents are going to those parents are going to receive a huge discount when they come to our school because we're not doing that to anybody. That's, right. that's completely absurd. You know, and so what you'll see is is us appealing to them, you know, to offer some of their resources you know, as scholarships to other schools. But here's a key, and, and I hope that, that anybody that's listening would really kind of get behind this and push it, because this could be the, the linchpin for all of these families. The number one issue that ought to be on the ballot this, this next midterm election is school choice. Amen. And if school choice happens here in Illinois, then the whole, the whole concept of how we're going to pay for tuition is going to be a moot point. It's going to be something that comes off the table. When you take $14,000 of resources that are going to the public schools for these students now 
and you put that into the hands of the parents, they take your kid wherever you want. Exactly. You know, the money's going to follow you. Then then I think that that kind of eliminates that. This could Couldn't be agree the, more. This could be the end of, of public schools. We know it. That's right. And we need to talk to our lawmakers about that, our state lawmakers, and get them to understand the, uh, the importance of... Um, defunding government schools and start funding parents. But when you you start talking about ending public schools as we know it, (laughs) well, government is going to say, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. The teachers union are going to say, wait a second. That's right, Monty. (laughs) Have you been hearing from government about what you're up to? Or the union teachers. What what they don't realize is they can say whatever they want, Monty, but what what they're going to have to deal with is when the parents stand up and say, you're going to listen to me now. You know, this is what we're going to do whether you like it or not. I mean, look at look at what happened in Virginia. Yep. You know, when parents finally stand up and say, okay, this is nonsense. I don't care about these social issues. I don't care about these moral issues, but I care about my kids. You know, and so I don't care what the government says. What I care about is what these parents say and what these kids say because at the end of the day, I'm going to take responsibility for my children, you know, and – when the kids come out of the public school and they they you know they don't they don't have a you know a solution for that you know then they're not going to have a choice they're not going to be able to continue to maintain their budgets they're not going to be able to even if even if school choice doesn't happen you're going to have enough parents that are fed up well, that are just going to leave the public school system but and if that's going to leave extending the 19 2019 numbers right <laughs> They don't have to worry. Even if their if their school has been cut in half on attendance, hey, they still are operating under the 2019 budget, which is well. There's there's going to be a lag, obviously, until parents start you know to really really wise up and and you know say okay, we're not paying our taxes for this anymore. Right. You know we're not doing this anymore. You know I, I think maybe some people might believe that this movement away from government schools is kind of the end thing now. It's a little bit of a fad, you know. (laughs) All this talk about hardcore sex ed and critical race theory and all this, you know, that'll subside once we elect a few conservatives to school boards and when uh, Republicans take control of Congress and we elect a Republican governor. Does this all go away or the problems still be there. No, none of that's going away. Right. I mean, you open Pandora's box, you let that in, it's not coming out. No. You know, and I think that, that people are, are starting to realize, you know, that there's there's no end to this. You can fight it all you want to fight it, or you can realize that while you're fighting over here, your kids are going to another day of school that's not educating them, that's not equipping and preparing them. And so you might spend the next three months fighting a fight that you can't win anyway, and all the while, your child is losing a battle that they don't have to lose. And I think that's the, the, the thing that parents got to get their mind wrapped around. You can do both. You know, continue to fight. I've got a lot of parents that, that are not sending their kids to public school, but they're in those school board meetings, and they're fighting for their rights at the same time. You know, and they're making sure their kids are being educated at the same time. A couple quick questions. Lightning round here, because we're – Way over time. It's all right. <laughs> uh, families of Faith, uh, Christian Academy, uh, the Grace Association. Is there room for home education in this equation? Absolutely. In fact, we, we, we homeschooled our two oldest children, actually our three oldest, but our two oldest all the way through from kindergarten through high school. They graduated in homeschooling. 
And uh, my oldest son owns his own business. My oldest daughter, I told you, is a, is a nurse that works in a law firm. And uh, they're very well-educated kids. My, my youngest or middle daughter went through homeschooling all the way to eighth grade, and then we started our academy, and she attended there. Homeschooling, to me, is the very best solution, you know, in my humble opinion, for educating your kids because there's nobody that cares more about yeah. that than mom and dad. Amen. You know, yep. and if you, can, if you can push your kids past the idea that they have to have that socialization and they have to have all these other things— it's the very best solution, in my opinion. And, and private education, I think, is, is second to that. Do you guys do driver's education at your school? We don't, but we, we have um, plenty of, of private you know, sources yeah. that are out there. Absolutely. That, Just curious. Know, it's, it's cheaper and there's no liability It's one of the homeschool on big um, you know, problems they have. They've got to find someone to go ahead, Monty. you got others. What about Christian trade schools? Well, that's a whole nother segment because I'm working <laughs> on starting trade schools right now. No kidding. And uh, I'm, I'm actually going down. You and Mike down. Rowe. Mike Rowe is my hero. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm hoping to get to meet him. But I'm going down to uh, Collinsville in January. No I was kidding. invited down there by the mayor, and I'm meeting with um, Mike, Mike Stotts or Scott's um, um, one of his representatives is going to join me in that meeting. They invited me to talk about starting trade schools there. Wow. Wow. We have a board so. member I'd like to put you in touch with down there. Pastor Miles Holmes. Yeah. yeah. At Revive uh, Church, Assembly of God Church. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful guy. Yeah. Well, Pastor, what a big vision. What a great idea. Yes. Uh, I think this goes beyond just faith and education. I think, and maybe you have this feeling, that this is a good way to protect America's future with these kids not being brainwashed to love Marxism and to hate America. Let me, let me also suggest that this is a great way to fulfill the dominion mandate. Take dominion. Mm-hmm. Take dominion. Yes. Listen, one of the things that probably hurt my heart more than anything is to watch the churches fold their hands and get in lockstep with the government when they said go home. Yeah. And I understand everybody was fearful. We were, were concerned as well. But it didn't take long to realize that, that, you know, this was ridiculous. All the shutdowns and the lockdowns. And so we came two back weeks, to church. Two weeks shutdown to stop the, or level off the curve right. went to two years. Right. And it's still going. And it's still going, right. And, and we've lost thousands of churches that are never going to open again. There are still thousands of churches, many here in Illinois, that are not open. Yep. They're, I mean, they're, they're doing podcasts live, and that's it. They Zoom. have nothing yep. else. Yep. And so, to me, this is an attempt to also wake up the churches and say, we're supposed to be the light. You know, where there is no light, we got to be the light. we got to get out front and lead. God never called us, you know, to take a back seat to anything. We're supposed to be the difference makers. Amen. And that's what we're called to be. Amen. Thank you for what you're doing. Pastor, Pastor. Randy Bland is a difference maker. Right. And if you want to get in hold of him, it is what? Graceassociation.org. Graceassociation.org. You'd be happy to talk to anyone who's serious about planting schools. Or churches. I'll or churches. All right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Randy Bland, with Families of Faith Church in Shanahan and Families of Faith Christian Academy also in Shanahan. Soon to be in Schaumburg and Romeoville. And, and all over the place. <laughs> in a suburb near you. Hey, if someone wants to come to your church, when do you hold services? We have a 9 a.m. service and a 10.30 service on Sunday mornings. We have a Saturday night service that 
is designed primarily for bikers. We have an amazing biker pastor that is absolutely fantastic. Wow. No kidding. What's so, his that's name? at 630, Joe Pospisil. Okay. So if you have Easy a few you tats, say. you're all right. Pardon me? If you have a few tats, you're all right. You're all right, no matter what. <laughs> okay. right. Hey, one of my favorite verses is the Lord looks not on the outside of a man, but right. on the inside. He looks Amen. at your heart. He does. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pastor. God bless you and your work. And uh, please support this Effort. wonderful ministry yep. that, uh, boy, could really dictate the future of America, Dave. Amen. All right. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Do tell a friend or two or three about the Illinois Family Spotlight. Stay active, stay healthy, and God bless. Amen. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.